0: Let me say a word about the uh, Supreme Court decision that took place this past Friday because a lot of emotion, momentous decision, milestone in our country, and we wonder, how do we process? Let me tell you one way not to process it. Back early in our marriage, when Mary and I would play games, I was an idiot, and here's how. Uh, I'd win a game, and I'd be like, yes, yeah, yeah, and she was like, what's wrong with you? Like, if you can't learn learn how to win a game, like, graciously, like, we're not doing games. So I think I've, have I gotten better, Mary, over the years a little bit? And, and, but I, to not gloat or be abrasive. So if you're cheering on the victory that you go, wow, I'm just thankful for justice for all, for the rights of the unborn to be upheld, uh, give thanks for that. But do it humbly, do it gently. Not everybody agrees, and, and this is an opportunity for us to listen to love well you know first corinthians 13 it says this it says if you have faith that can move mountains and this is like a mountain being moved right but you don't have love it says you gain what nothing you gain nothing so we don't want to like you know say wow that was a really cool thing and then fail and love and so want to love well. And this is going to be a time for Christians to sort of step up and say, God, how do you want us to to come alongside people who are in a crisis or parents in need or something like that? What does it look like for me to love children well uh, one of the encouraging things that i saw stat recent you'll see this graph up here on the on the screen is sometimes christians it said you know that, well they're pro you know birth but they're not really pro-life they're not pro after you know someone and so you'll see uh, something here about adoption if you guys want to put that one on the screen that that uh, christians are practicing christians are two times more likely to adopt than the rest of society and so i, I hope you know you think of pregnancy care centers that have been established and child sponsorship organizations like compassion international world vision that we want to be people like that who just really care for children all the way through until people die and it's not just about you know big there's personal lives at stake right i want to just read one story this young woman who writes this she says i was born to a single teenage mom whose circumstances mirror that of many women who choose abortion my mom was 19 years old with limited financial resources and no spouse to help shoulder parenting responsibilities. Around 85% of women who have an abortion are in the same position as my birth mom. Her decision to make an adoption plan for me was hard, but I'm so glad she decided to have me. And we want to just see more stories like that and continue to invest in foster care and adoption and say, God, would you help us to be your, your hands and your feet and your heart and and to love well so i'm giving thanks for this decision and saying okay now lord let's step up and and help help us to just reflect your heart to those around us so let's pray and even ask me to do that before we dig into god's word you pray with me so father in heaven we thank you sometimes prayers take a lot longer to answer than what we would want and so many have been praying for 49 years for a change here and there's been a momentous supreme court decision that probably reflects some other decisions across our history that we'll look back on and say, wow, that was, that was huge. It was tense. There was polarization in our country, but uh, God, you're doing something. And Lord, in the end, we want the rights of every person to be upheld, that every person matters to you. So Lord, help us to reflect your humility your gentleness with those around us, and, God, that we would be a voice uh, for those whose rights are sometimes trampled on, whether it be because of their ethnicity or because of uh, their disability or, Lord, whatever it may be, their old age, Lord, whatever it may be that that we would say, no, they, they matter, that person matters. And so, God, use me, use us, and help us to see people the way you do. Lord, thank you that you saw this past week in our lives, even when we weren't aware of it, you were with us, and that'll be true this coming week. And so, we want to live in a way that would just be honoring to you. And so, would you help us in that direction as we look into your word today, Jesus, in your name, Amen. So, several years ago, I was at a conference, and uh, I it was a conference by three thousand people. It was our family of churches called the Alliance. There's about 2,000 Alliance churches in the U.S., 20,000 more in other countries around the world. So we're at this gathering three years ago, and one of the things I do, our staff will tell you, is just to tease them, sometimes I'll see someone walking out of a meeting early, and I'll find them later, and I'll go, oh, you're not going to believe it. They called on you, like right right after you left. They called on you, and like you weren't there, and and, ha-ha, you know. So three years ago, I'm, I'm at the conference, and... And there was a person, we had an open position at Gray, someone was interested, and I said, well, let's just get together and talk. So we had like this informal interview over coffee during a plenary session. So you can guess where this might be going. I'm meeting with this person, all of a sudden my, my phone starts blowing up with texts, And my staff's like, ha-ha, Jonathan, we miss you. They just called you up to come up to the platform and you're not here. And indeed, they had. Like, they had said, hey, this person's retiring after decades of service. We're going to invite Jonathan Schaefer to come to the platform. Jonathan? It's Jonathan Schaefer in the convention center? <laughs> and I was, I, was, I was, like, up in a room having coffee with this person and completely missed it. And from then on, my staff were like, hey, Jonathan, uh, you know what? And, they, and we still laugh about it uh, and how I missed uh, this opportunity or this, you know, I was, I was absent at a time. I wasn't prepared for something when my name was called. i I can chuckle at that, but there is another event that the Scriptures talk about that is going to happen for which some people will be prepared and some people devastatingly unprepared. That just as our world had a beginning, and there is going to be an end, when Jesus is going to come again, and it says that, that every eye will seem, in fact, in communion, we said that little phrase that whenever you take the bread and you, you, then the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until what? Until he comes again, Till he comes again. And so it could be any time. Like, we believe that. It could be tonight when you're watching TV. It could be this Thursday when you're driving home. It could be 20 years from now. We, we just don't know. But the question is, if you believe it's going to happen, you can say, am I ready today? Like, am I living in a way that I'm going to be prepared for the day that he comes again? Some might go like, Okay, just a second here. This is like crazy talk. Do you actually believe this? Like, is this really, it's been a long time since Jesus was here, and, and that promise was made, it's been a couple thousand years. You know, the Bible anticipates that, that one of Jesus' close friends, the apostle Peter, is writing in a letter, and here's what he says. He says, hey, I want you to know, there's going to be people who doubt, and there's even going to be people who are cynics and, and scoff, and here's what He says, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to that promise that Jesus is coming again? Will you actually believe that? And Peter responds in verse 10. He says, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a what? A couple of years ago, I was uh, taking a few days of vacation with my family. We were at a national park. And we come back to our car, and all of our credit cards and cash were gone. And I didn't take the hike that day and go, hey, kids, just so you know, today's probably the day our car's gonna be broken into. Because if it had been, what would I would have done? I'd have kept that, those credit cards, right? In two hours, they charged over $30,000 to my cards. I didn't have to pay for that, but it was like, it was unexpected as a what? It's a thief. And and Peter says, that's what it's going to be like when Jesus comes again. And so the question is, how do we live in light of that? Like, how can we make sure that we're ready for the day that Jesus arrives? And that's what our passage, our next section of Scripture, we've been looking at Paul's letter to the Romans. And we're in romans chapter 13 so if you turn there with me either in your paper bible or you got your phone look at your bible app you'll see a little qr code up here on the screen that you can just if you don't have that app it's it's an awesome app and you can get that also if you didn't get some notes on your way in or those of you engaging online really glad to have you with us you go to our homepage and you can just uh go to the bulletin and you'll see the notes right there let me just say hi to all of you who are engaging online really glad to have you Those of you at Lorraine Correctional, uh, man, I I look forward to being with you again and your families, some of your families watching. We're so grateful to have uh, you guys uh, digging into God's Word with us as well. So let's read what Paul says here about the second coming of Jesus and how we're called to live, starting with verse 11. And here's what he says. He says in Romans 13, verse 11, this is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. I'm reading in the New Living Translation. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. You might go, wait, wait, wait. I thought we already were saved if we put our trust in Jesus. But he's saying, you've been saved. You've been forgiven. But he says, there's going to come a day when, when the world as we know it is going to be over. And all the brokenness and disappointment of this life is going to be gone and we're going to be in a home where it says in Revelation 21, there's no more mourning or crying or pain or sickness or death or any of the brokenness of this life. It's going to be our full salvation, that that day is going to come. And so he says in light of that, he starts by saying, hey, what I'm telling you here is urgent. If you're sleepwalking, like spiritually drifting, what does he say? Wake up. Someone just woke up. What, 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 what happened right here? Yeah, he says, wake up spiritually. Like, if you're, if you're drifting and going, yeah, I'm sort of living my life, he goes, time's running out. Let me just say that if, you're, if you go, John, you, you showed a couple of verses here about the second coming of Jesus, but I don't really, like, is that really? Can I just say, this is not like some hidden truth tucked away in, like, an obscure part of the New Testament. In the New Testament, the second half of your Bible, there's 27 books. So it starts with Matthew, goes to Revelation. That's the second part of the Bible, New Testament, 27 books. There's 260 chapters in the New Testament. You know how many times the second coming of Jesus is referred to in those 260 chapters? 318 times like this is something is like on repeat It's just going this is going to happen that jesus is going to come in a personal visible physical kind of way and it says every eye is going to see him so in light of that how do i live in a way that 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 i can say i'm, I'm ready that i and paul here in romans 13 highlights some of the priorities that you and i can have So in the day that that he comes again or that we graduate, because it might not be that I go to heaven when Jesus comes. It might be that I graduate to heaven through death, that I'm going to stand before him. How can I know when I stand before Jesus that I'm ready? So here's what Paul says. This section of Scripture here, Romans chapter 13, he says a couple of things. First of all, care for people the way Jesus does. Verse 8, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to do what? To love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Now, just a note here: when he talks about let no debt remain outstanding, he's not saying you can't have a mortgage or any kind of debt is wrong. What he's saying is this: don't let your debt be out, like, don't let it be delinquent. If you owe on your credit card, if you owe on your car, if you owe whatever, he says just be paying your debts. It's one way to show integrity. Don't let any debt, you know, be outstanding in a way that you've got creditors who are breathing down your neck. It's one way for us to just honor God and the people around us. But he says there's one debt you'll never finish repaying, he says, and it's the continuing debt to love one another. Here's what he's saying. He's saying you will never love others as much as you've been loved. You will never forgive others as much as you've been there's never a time where you go, man, I just don't know if I can forgive like that. I mean, I've, no, you've been forgiven way more. When God looked at you and he said, I, I will take every single wrong thing you've done and I'm going to clean the slate. And are you willing to pass along that forgiveness to others? He says, you, you will never be able to show to others the extent of the love or the forgiveness that has been shown to you. It says, you have a continuing debt. And so it's one of the ways that we can say, God, what you've done for me, man, I I wanna show your heart to the people around me. But it's not the only reason to love. He also tells us how central love is to being a follower of Christ. Look at the incredible statement he makes in the middle of verse 80. He says, if you love your neighbor, you will fulfill what? All the requirements of god's law in other words love is like the foundation of god's law do you know if you read the old testament you go there's like a lot of confusing parts there if you can just go all of those laws are one of two things in fact the ten commandments are this way the ten commandments the first four of the ten commandments are how do we love god like don't have any other gods before me no graven images don't take my name in vain you know i want you to honor my Sabbath. and then the second six commandments are how do you love other people and so all the law and the, and the commands are all about love, love for God, love for the people around us. And so in verse 9, Paul goes on the next verse, and he says, so the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commands there may be are summed up in the one command, love your neighbor as yourself. He's going, you can sum up all of them with that command. And Paul talks about four of these commandments here, starting with adultery. So let's just look and see how do the commands that Paul talks about here and back in the Old Testament. How does those express love? He says, first of all, I want you to stay away from adultery. In other words, as a married guy, if I really love Mary, I'm going to say, man, you're the focus of my affection. I'm not going to dabble in pornography. I'm not going to have an affair with somebody else. That I'm, I'm not going to do anything that would hurt your heart. In fact, the person that I might be tempted to have an affair with I love them enough i'm not going to do that to them and if i've got kids i'm not going to put my kids through that right That not committing adultery is not just to say you know god wants to kill your joy or whatever no he's saying no if you really love people in fact if you love yourself you're just not going to do this now this is you might go man i've totally messed up on that one right there like sex outside of marriage like guilty you know whatever can we just say what we remembered earlier in the service that that God's forgiveness and grace, like, are boundless, and so you can say, Jesus, thank you for covering all of that. And now, as I look forward to the day that you come again, I want to I want to live in a way that honors you. I want to be ready. I want to care about other people the way that you want me to care about them. He goes on from adultery. He talks about murder. Now we might go. At least that one I'm I'm good on that one. Like most of us, anyhow, right? And And yet you remember how jesus in matthew 5 he expands murder he goes hey i'm not just talking about like actually taking someone's life i'm talking about like uncontrolled anger words like reckless words it says in proverbs 12 that pierce like a sword right that the words that i speak to other people can sort of murder them one slice at a time if i've got uncontrolled anger love means that i'm going to get help to say I just don't excuse myself by saying, well, that's just my, you know, cultural background, my dad, my grand." You should have seen them. Like, I'm not angry compared. No, you go, I'm going to talk to a counselor. I'm going to be part of a group. I've got to figure this one out because if I really want to love and care about people the way Jesus does, man, I'm I'm not going to let that verbal kind of stuff come out of stealing. That's the next one here. If you love a person, you don't take what they have. And if someone's loaned you money, you, you, you pay them back. And then coveting. That's a word we don't use a whole lot. Coveting means that I long for something that rightfully belongs to some, somebody else. So in, in the Old Testament talks about you covet someone's spouse. Like I'd rather have their spouse, and I really, and I sort of long for that. Or I wish I had their house or their gifts or their car or their whatever or their looks. I just, I want, and, and you want something that rightfully belongs to someone else. And you think, I'm not going to be happy until I got it. Because that's, that's coveting. You're desiring something that doesn't really belong to you. And he goes, if you love people, you're, you're not going to do that, right? You care about them. You go, God, thanks for what you've given to me, and I'm good with that. If I've got you, Lord, I've, I've got all that I need. Paul could go on. He does these four commands, but then he sums it up here in Romans chapter 13, verse 10, and he goes, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So that means in, in every situation, if I want to be ready for the day Jesus comes again, I act with the best interests of the people around me in in, in mind, right? That might be sacrificial. It could be inconvenient. But I I want to be known as a guy who really values people. In fact, how we love others, the Bible is so clear, how you love others is the number one character trait in God's eyes. And and can I just say this? The good news is this. You don't have to be like a longtime Christian, to to be able to get this one to do this you you can be brand new in your walk like i'm just sort of figuring this out i'm on the road to like getting to know jesus you can just say jesus i feel like i can't do this on my own i've got some really difficult people in my life but thank you for coming to live in me and i just want the love that you've shown to me to leak out of my life to the people around me so the first thing paul is telling us he goes if you want to be ready for the day that your name is called and you're standing before Jesus, he goes, care for people the way Jesus does. Second thing he says here, get rid of anything that dishonors Jesus. In other words, um, Paul, well, what he does here, he identifies a subtraction and an addition. See if you can catch him in the next couple of verses here. Beginning with verse 12, he says this, the night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds, how? Like dirty clothes. In other words, you know, you come in and you've been like, I am so sweaty from this workout or whatever. He goes, get, get rid of those and put on the shining armor of right living. Continues to live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. He goes, man, uh, there are some things in your life you want to change. Now, I wonder if you look at that list, if you go, wow, there's something in my life I probably need to get rid of right now, right? maybe it's you know I, I don't drink alcohol in moderation i i get drunk there's wild par- let me that wild parties one by the way I, I remember talking to someone they go yeah i'm not i didn't want to become a christian yet because i didn't want to stop having fun like when i'm you know get old like your age you know then i'll become a can i just say this you know <laughs> becoming a christian is is not you can't it's not like you stop having fun you can still go to parties and you, you're just saying you go to parties but you don't have a hangover the next day you don't wake up and go wait who was i with last night and you have all these regrets and you don't remember it. He's going, don't, don't be in a way that you go, I, I end up having regrets and, and, you know, just embarrassment about things that I do. So make a decision to say yes to Jesus. Uh, wherever you are in life, even when it's hard to say, Jesus, I'm going to say yes to you. And there's going to be things in my life I'm going to say no to because I want to say yes to you. I believe that when you give me guardrails in life, like when I pay attention to what you tell me, that your your word is a lamp from my feet and a light from my path, it's keeping me from going over the cliff. So when you give me these guardrails, it's because you care about me. So I'm going to trust you, Jesus. I'm going to get rid of things in my life that dishonor you, and I want to follow you. And I'm not going to try to do it alone. Well, if we try to do it alone, if you're going... Man, I just, I feel like I mess up and I, I just can't get it right. You know, like I'm trying to honor Christ and we're stronger together, right? We're better together. So be courageous and find strength with other people. In your notes, and you'll see this on the screen as well, I've listed just a couple of ways that, that here at Grace that we give on-ramps to being in community with others, like keys to recovery every tuesday night we we galvanized on friday night for guys we have recovery groups by the way every day of the week here uh there's making peace retreat sort of taking a look inside it's a retreat from a friday to a sunday and we we have one this weekend in fact and and saying god i want to know why do i be respond the way i do like what's going on in my life and it sort of helps you to pull back the layers and to see who you are counseling we have seven affiliated counselors and just to be able to talk with someone through your stuff, you know, give us a call, I put the number there. Here's how, uh, what Paul is saying is, if you really want to be ready, he says, care about people the way Jesus does, get rid of some things, subtract some things from your life that dishonor him. And then third, he wraps up this section and he says, welcome Jesus into every area of life. Verse 14, here's how he closes this section. He says, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus. In other words, you know, when you when you think of your clothing, and you know, I saw a guy in here, he's, he's got the Buckeyes, Ohio State thing, he's got the clothing on. It's like when you encounter Steve, you're gonna go, whoa, this guy must be a Buckeyes fan, right? This is his allegiance here, like he he's letting me know what he's all about. Paul says, when you clothe yourselves with Jesus, like he's with you all the time. He's not like one of your priorities in life, like I've got my work and then I've got my, you know. I love my hobby, I go gone and play golf, and I've got, yeah, Jesus is a, you know, I, I give, I go to the small group on Tuesday night, and I'm part of a service on Sunday. No, you go, I, he's like, he's my priority. Like, he's not just a sliver of my life, he is my life. He's like, when you see me, this is, he's, he's who I'm all about. I still do these other things in my life, but they're an overflow of my relationship with Christ. It's the essence of being a Christian the Christ life, that I can come and say, Holy Spirit, the day that I put my trust in Jesus and realized that I could not do for myself what only Jesus could do, and that is to find a way into the family of God and into heaven, from my life to meaning and purpose. So I realized what I couldn't do, Jesus had already done for me. So thank you that the day, Jesus, I put my trust in you, you gave me your Holy Spirit, and I need your help. I want when people encounter me that, that there'll be just something different about me, that your relationship that I have with you, that, that it'll just define who I am. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Like he's just, he's, he's core to who you are. It's your life. He's everything to you. Or do we always get it right and I mess up there are times you would go hey was Jesus would you say you were clothing yourself with Jesus and that conversation you just had right there the way you responded in that heat of the moment competitively I don't always get it right but I'm grateful for his grace and we can come back and say Jesus I, I want you to be with me wherever I go thank you that you are I want to be ready for the day you come again you see this is the way Paul frames our readiness he says these three things in this, in this passage where he says, if you want to know that on the day you're, you're called to stand before Christ, either through graduating to heaven through your death, or he comes again one day, he says, here's, here's what you want to do. Care for people the way Jesus does. Get rid of anything that dishonors him and welcome Jesus into every area of your life. And when you do those things, you, you can be Ready? You know, when I talk about the second coming of Jesus, sometimes all the people go, man, that freaks me out, man. That's like a scary, that does not have to be scary, right? Let me give you an example here as we close. This coming weekend, I'm going to celebrate 34 years of marriage with my best friend, uh, my wife, Mary. And she's the treasure of my life. This Earlier this month, we had the longest, well, I'll say that this way. I've, the longest I've ever been at home alone without Mary, 10 days, you might go, you're a wimp. I barely survived, right? <laughs> so she's getting ready to come home, and I'm just telling her, I'm like, Mary, wow, like I totally miss you. Like, I, it's, I just can't even imagine. I, in fact, I prayed for widows and widowers here in a new way. I just thought, what would it be like for me to lose the one who's been, like, to me for all these years? So knowing Mary was going to come home, on this particular day, she had extended a stay because our grandson had a medical issue, a minor medical thing. And Mary, having been a nurse, she was able to give some help. And so she was staying out with our daughter and son-in-law. So knowing Mary was going to come home, what did I do? Well, first of all, you, you know, for one, you go, I hope you didn't have like another woman in the house or anything like that, you know, or whatever. No, I, I, I didn't do that, Right and and i also know like mary doesn't like dirty clothes all over the place dishes stacked tight doesn't bother me at all you know uh but but for her i knew like hey if i really want to value her i want her to be welcome when she comes home all the dishes back in the cupboard clean all the clothes washed you know put i mean it was just like i wanted the beds are made everything because i wanted mary to be welcome and to feel like wow he was anticipating my arrival and and I think she'd say I got at least a B plus. I don't know. I, I'll ask her later on. But that's what we do with relationships that really matter, right? So if I know that Jesus is going to come again, you know what the great thing is? I don't have to live in fear. Like I can live ready. Paul says in a way that I anticipate that day, and I go, I know he's coming again, and I can't wait because it's going to be amazing. Heaven's going to be a chapter that's the best chapter of my life that will never end. All of the terrible stuff of this world is going to be completely gone. But I don't want you to be surprised on the day he comes again in a way that's crushing for you. I don't want it to happen to me. So Paul tells us, he goes, you can be ready. You you can be prepared for that day. So he says, wake up. Like, this is urgent stuff. This isn't something you put off and go, well, someday when I'm done having fun, or someday, no, it says, no, I I want you to right now because you don't know the day or the hour he's going to come like a thief when you don't expect Him. We can be ready. Let me close in this way. In order for us to to live right with Jesus, we have to get right with Jesus. Like, I can't live this way until I've actually invited Him into my life. So every so often, I have to give an opportunity just to say, you know, if, if you're ready to make that decision, to say, I've been coming to Grace for a little bit here. I think it's starting to make sense. Puzzle pieces are... I'm ready to surrender my life to Him. I'm going to pray a prayer, and just invite you to silently pray with me. He's listening for us, and maybe for some of you, you, you feel like you've drifted a little bit, and you go, I, "I need a new start." I'm going to pray for all of us, and and wherever you are in your relationship with Jesus, this could be a day where you say, "Jesus, I want to be ready," and so I I, I thank you for hearing me. So let, let's I just invite you to pray with me, and and uh, and He's He's here with us. So let's. Let's ask him before the team comes and leads us in a closing song, okay? God, I would like a fresh start in life. I don't want to stay the same. So thank you for loving me enough to send your son Jesus to die for my sins, setting me free from the fear of death. God, your forgiveness allows me to get to know you and I'm responding to your invitation to a new life. My life is yours from this day forward. Take leadership of every area of my life. Cleanse me of any habits that are hurting you and the people you love. Show me next steps for healing and growth. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who will continue the change you've started in me. And Lord, teach me how to trust you each day until we meet face to face. In your name I pray and I thank you. And everyone said... Amen.